0: Agriculture is the most healthful, most useful, and most noble employment of man. You know who said that? George Washington. Because I talk about animals like donkeys so much, a lot of folks think Brian and I have a farm. We don't. That's the Beekman boys. We do live next to three farms, though a goat farm, a sheep farm, and an orchard. For me, it's pastoral, beautiful and graceful to look at a farm. For me, it's natural and feels healthy, seeing where my food comes from. But for the farmers that work these farms, it's 24-7. It's hard work. It's brutal in the winter and hard physically probably all the time. The tractor that drives by while I'm on a conference call is hilarious to me, but it's a $30,000 piece of critical equipment to the farmer. The author and farmer Brenda Shop is quoted as saying that her grandmother used to say that once in your life, you need a doctor, a lawyer, a policeman, and a preacher But every day, three times a day, you need a farmer. I'm Matt Zucker, and this is Sidiot, learning to live and love life in the Hudson Valley. There are many kinds of farms and many kinds of farmers. There's the old school farmers who've been doing this forever. Sometimes nice, sometimes grumpy, a few that really don't like us. We can tell because, well, they don't speak to us. There also, though, are the young farmers who chose this as a livelihood, who bring energy and creativity. We've met many, especially through the National Young Farmers Coalition, which is based right here in Hudson. You've heard me speak about Hardy Roots Farm in Germantown, where we join the CSA for vegetables that we pick up every week. We're even joining their winter CSA for the first time this year. Or Chase Home Farms in Pine Plains, an organic farm run by two siblings and famous for its dairy and summer burger nights on the yard. Or Northwind Farms in Tivoli, which drove over its giant smoker and parked it on the road to cook a turkey and a pig all day for us for a summer Thanksgiving. Or Sawkill Farm on Route 9 in Red Hook as you head north from the village towards our house. Their farm store is adorable. You pull up and you're among the chickens and dogs and you can see the cows and everything else in view. I practically live in their soft sweatshirts. The bacon, though, is mouthwatering. The chicken and pork chops are delicious. The eggs are out of this world. We've gotten to know the couple that run Sawkill Farm, Michael and Callie. They've got two adorable kids, and I somehow convinced Callie to come talk to us on City It. As you can imagine, I have a lot of questions. Part one, you'll hear about Sawkill Farm itself, what it's like to run a farm, and hard-hitting questions like, should a city it like me have my own animals? Welcome, Callie. You know, I'm, I'm such a fan of Sawkill Farm, but um, can, maybe you can tell people about what kind of farm is it? Like, you know, there's all sorts of farms out there, I hear. What's Sawkill like?
1: <laughs> so we are a small-scale, diverse, sustainable livestock farm. And what our main product is, is we raise meats, grass-fed and pasture-raised meats, So we do grass-fed and finished beef and lamb and pasture-raised pork and chicken and eggs. And then in addition to that, we really try to utilize as much of the animal as possible, which has kind of taken us into um, some other products like yarn, which is now a big passion of mine, which I didn't know how to knit before we started making yarn. but now I knit all the time. So we have yarn made from our wool from our sheep and we make leather goods with the leather from our cows and bone broth and sheep skins. And so that side of our business has also been growing and increasing. So what kind of animals do you have? Like name all your animals. Uh, cows, pigs, sheep, chickens. About how many would you say cows, at any pigs, given time? Chickens. Uh, It depends on the time of year uh, and the slaughter schedule, but we raise around 20 to 30 steers a year and anywhere from 60 to 120 sheep. We have around anywhere from 800 to 1,000 egg layers at any time, and we process around 1,000 meat chickens a year and around 120 pigs. Wow. So
0: I what's it like taking care of animals like this? And what's it like being a farmer? I mean, like, I, <laughs> I, you know, I'm from New Jersey. I, New, I not don't really Jersey, take so farmers, care. But I grew up in the suburbs.
1: I don't personally really take care of the animals that much. I think when, uh, so when Michael and I, my husband Michael and I have this farm together and um, when we met, he already had this farm And I was a city at the time and I, I was working in food and farming in the city. So I was, and we met through my work. So I was, I kind of knew a little bit about it, but I, I, you know, I farmed on rooftops and vacant lots in New York city. It's a very different experience than here. So, um, I, and I was a vegetarian, so I had no, um, idea or. I don't want to say I had no interest in livestock farming, but I had no interest in having a livestock farm. (laughs) Um, But when we started dating and I came up here, um, I had one. And so, you know, for the first couple of years of living up here with Michael, I was trying to really find my place on this farm and figure out what my role was as a you know, recent, recently non-vegetarian living in the country, um, you know, having quit my job and just completely upended my life. So we definitely tried for a couple of years to split livestock chores. And so I definitely did that. I've done all the things, Um, but we realized that it was best for our relationship if we kind of divided and conquered. So these days, um, Michael is the one out on the farm that takes care of the animals. And he's got a team of people that helps him. What's Uh, the worst farm chore? Like, what's the worst? Mucking out the pig pen. That's like the thing when Michael's like, I don't want to be a farmer anymore. (laughs) It's because he had to spend the day mucking out the pig pen or cleaning out the chicken coop. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah, that's probably gross. What's the
0: best chore? What's like the best responsibility?
1: I don't know. I don't know if there's a best chore, but the best days I would say are, um, you know, we have two kids now. We have Sylvie just turned one and Rollo just turned four. And when I first moved up here, you know, it was mostly just Michael and I working on the farm. We might may have had one other person part-time. And so there were a lot of days when it was just us around, which were long and hard days. Um, But now we have staff and farm help every day. Um, And so you're never really alone here on the farm or at your house or with the chickens. And so my favorite days are, are like Thanksgiving or Christmas, the holidays where you just find yourself, all of us are at home. We're, we're not trying to get to school or run errands and we don't have any farm staff around. So we all have to go out. Um, we all collect eggs together and give the sheep water. And especially now with the kids being really involved in that and Raul being four, like he really goes out and loves working on the farm. So I don't know if I have a specific thing that I like to do because they all can get old after a while if you have to do them all the time. But it's those moments and those days where we just don't have any help on the farm and we just all have to go out as a family together and be out there.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And what, what about being a, a, a parent and seeing farm life, I guess, through your, through your kids' eyes? It's a kind of a, a special thing to have them grow up on on this, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's really incredible. I grew up in the suburbs. Michael grew up in the suburbs and, you know, we never, we would play outside with our neighbors, but we, I never had access to nature in this way. Um, not only just nature, but jobs, I think as a kid, like we give so much freedom and put so much trust in Rallo, just just letting him walk outside is, is this trusting act. And he, um, and even Sylvie, our one-year-old, they just, they both, they just go for it out there. There's no fear. They're so confident. It's really incredible. And, you know, we've had the farm for 10 years now and Michael's been farming for probably 20 years. And it's very physical. It's a very physical job especially with the livestock and it's, it can wear on you. And I think these past four years, getting to experience the farm again through our children's eyes, it's really made us value the farm and fall in love with it again. Cause it, in a way it's like any job, it's a job, you know, It, it it started to kind of wear on us a little bit and wear on our bodies. You know, and our- I would
0: think it's even more so of everything a more exaggerated sense of, it looks like it's physically more demanding. It looks like it physically could even be a dangerous job. It looks like you are, it's fragile, like economically, physically, like it just seems harder and it seems 24 seven to me. Yeah. So I don't know if there's anything that we should appreciate and what about it's like to be a farmer. It just seems maybe more rewarding, but also tougher, harder, challenging, and more fragile too.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's super rewarding insofar as we get to live in this incredibly amazing place and our children get to grow up on this farm and we are, we work for ourselves and we are incredibly flexible in some ways, you know, both of us get to we have every meal together every day, which also is hard. <laughs> it's hard to have every meal together with your spouse every day. But, um, you know, so it, it's it got those wonderful benefits, but also like you said, it's so physical. And I think when it's good, it's good. But then, um, you know, Michael's pulled his back a few times and then, you, then you're constantly reminded that you're not just your income but your home, everything is dependent so much Mm -hmm. on you physically. Um, And so one of the things, especially as we're getting older and we, you know, we have a one-year-old, so we, it's going to be 20 years at least until we're done with paying for college. Um, You know, is this, how can we make this sustainable Mm -hmm. for ourselves in the future going forward? And, you know, we, we are responsible for the lives of, thousands of creatures so even even turning off and getting out of town um i have a lot of friends that own businesses and they can just close their doors you know it's a financial it's 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 a financial risk or burden to close your doors but you can just close and walk away you could never we, stop we can. and so we will have someone stay on the farm or we have employees that stay but every time we go away we have to just kind of accept that there's um risk of loss of life on the farm and almost inevitably something will happen or go wrong or you know because no one sees it quite like you do no one's as in tune with it or cares as much or as you do and so there's you know i don't feel that as much because i'm not the farmer but i know that that really weighs on michael every time we go out of town or go see your parents or travel or
0: on the flip side, there's some ridiculous things that happen, right? Like I live across from a farm, and we had a goat jump the fence once. We had a donkey make a break for it. Like there's just like really funny things that happen. Like was yeah. <laughs> crazy crap happened?
1: Yeah, you know it's funny because well we get everybody in the neighborhood has our number on speed dial, and they're like, oh, we see, you know, there's some cows out on Echo Valley, or <laughs> and the the funniest thing that happened or funny after the fact is. We had some cows get, we're right on route nine too. So a busy road, um, 55 mile an hour speed limit. And we had some cows get out on route nine and the farmers across the street saw it before we did and came out and uh, very quickly Michael went running out but Evan across the street had gotten on his mini dirt bike. So he's this grown man on a mini dirt bike Herding cattle in the middle of Route Nine in the middle of the day, and um, you know the story is all over Red Hook moms and people were <laughs> posting pictures on Facebook, and you know ever, the whole town got a real big kick out of that one. So it's kind of embarrassing when your cows get out on Route Nine, but it's also a a, a community building event. I would yeah, say. that's
0: true. You need the love of the <laughs> of the community too. Yeah. So what? Well, as a as a former city, and I forgot that you are firsthand knowledge. Um, and a good bridge for us into this world. If I wanted to have animals, what should I know before i i go buy that? I go over to Agway and buy that that snake I,
1: or deer. I would, or uh, we pig. get this question all the time, and i I always like to encourage people to just come shop at our store. <laughs> if you want, If you want fresh eggs, come here. If you want to see some sheep, come here. It's just a. I I uh,
0: don't get your own chickens.
1: Well, I mean, people can get there and chickens if they want, but I think they just have to remember that it's this, this real big commitment and you can't just get up and go back to the city. You can't just go somewhere for the weekend or, um, it's that it's a lot. It's a real commitment. You're committing to the lives of other creatures. And it's not like you can just have someone come and dog sit. It's a lot, it's a lot more of an ask.
0: Hi, it's Matt. Before we get into part two of Interview with a Farmer, I wanted to share some resources. If you have a farm fetish, you're in luck. There are a slew of farm-focused podcasts out there. First, there's Azure Farm, about a farm in Georgia. There's a special Pilgrims episode out now. Also, a farmish kind of life. Life as a homesteader in Minnesota. Midwest Farm Wives. Whitney and Kylie are two millennial farm wives. And the last, Sow the Land. A husband and wife talk about their week on the farm, which is also a YouTube channel. Episode 23 talks about how to butcher your own chicken. If you're more of a reader though, try The Milk House. It's a rural writing collective. There's some great stories and lists of books famous and new with farm settings. Milkhouse.org. If you're a joiner, maybe you should join the National Young Farmers Coalition to champion the policies and needs of a vital public service. For as little as $35 a year, just visit youngfarmers.org. Okay, let's get back to the interview with the farmer. The most important question is coming up. I'm a frequent customer of your store. We buy a lot of your pork, which is delicious, and I'm kind of addicted to your eggs, and I can't figure out why, why are yours so delicious?
1: So we raise our chickens out on pasture, and we move them around on a weekly basis. So they always have access to fresh grass and they're digging around in the soil and eating lots of worms and bugs and yummy things. So oh, it's
0: the worms and the bugs. That's why get
1: that added protein that they get from, from all the bugs that are out there.
0: <laughs> Amazing. Certain people are grossed out right now, but I'm totally enchanted. <laughs> I knew there was a reason Even
1: that like extra yellow yolk, you know? I had a
0: question, too, about other farmers. I've noticed, like, obviously some farmers don't even speak to us and they hate us, but other farmers we've really become friends with, and there seems to be a really nice community. We even joined the Young Farmers Coalition, and do you, is there a lot of farmer, supporting farmer type things out there, or are farmers really out on their own and you're so busy you don't get that kind of interaction or community? No,
1: I think, I mean, everyone's busy, but it's one of the reasons that Michael Chose to farm here in the Hudson Valley was because of that community. So, when he was looking for properties, he's from Kansas and he originally got his start farming in Austin, Texas, and then had worked up at Hawthorne Valley in Ghent prior to getting Sock Hill Farm. And so, he was looking for land here and in Texas and in Kansas, and ultimately decided on settling here in the Hudson Valley because it had such a strong network uh, and support for young farmers and beginning farmers and so you know there there's a lot of support in that regard um you know with farmers who are farming with similar practices but we also find which is really nice and you know we've been here 10 years now some people will always think we're new but we've been around for a little while and you know, we've really also built some strong relationships with farmers who have been here for generations, and you know, maybe our practices are a little bit different, but we all support each other and and help each other's cows when they get out on Route Nine, and um, it's it's nice in that way, you know.
0: Yeah, that's great too. And do do you have any advice for people that for us city, it's about how we can support. Farmers, I mean, Brian and I, we, we have like five or six farms, including yours, that we frequent, you know. I hope you know we, we, we do do others, too. <laughs> and we we join the young farmers, like, but, you know, we try to be frequent customers, yeah. we join the CSAs. But I don't know if there's things that you, you as a farm owner, a farmer, need us as to support. Like, is there ways we can support?
1: In addition, is it better
0: to buy at the farm stand than at your store? Is it better to go to your store? Is it better to come frequently? You know, I don't know. What's the, how do you look for the community to support you?
1: Oh, that's a good question. You know, obviously, I think, I think one of the big things, um, you know, we're very fortunate. We have a very strong and loyal customer base. um, And we're super grateful for that. I think something that all of our customers have probably had to get used to at one point or another is that it's not the same as shopping at a grocery store it's not as convenient um and even i you know in my own consumer life try to really buy local and you know this this holiday season i've been really conscious of especially uh, about trying to purchase locally. And it's a lot of work, it's hard. Um, it takes a lot of time. And I'm very aware that I have the privilege of having that time to go around to all these individual stores and shop. And so I think that it's you know, important for customers and also business owners to understand that it's harder and accept that as part of the process. I think there are rewards to that too. You know, you and I have become friends and I'm friends with a lot of our customers. And I think you're friends with a lot of the farmers where you shop. Um, and so you are building a strong community in the process. It's not just a chore and errands. Um, and that's the same, same thing goes for where I get toys for my kids and clothes for my kids and all the all those things, but you know, you have to buy your meat frozen and we're only open four days a week and
0: you know, it's harder. It's yeah, interesting. So it's about being more flexible and enjoying the experience rather than just. Yeah. The-
1: and understanding that, you know, understanding that it's just not going to be, you're going to have to let go of some mo- of the modern convenience in order to come back to this. And, and I would, you know, and I asked too for customers to just like do that with a smile, you know? Yeah. If they're gonna come and shop with us, so.
0: Yeah, you need a sense of humor too, right? Yeah. Cool. There
1: there have definitely been times this past week, this past weekend, we had some sheep get out, not into route nine, but just on the farm. And there were a couple of customers walking around the farm at that time and they, you know, they helped us, stop what they were doing and came over and helped us herd the sheep back in. So, you, you know, there's excitement too.
0: last part of the interview gets into the food itself, which reminds me to remind you that supporting farm stores is one of the best things you can do. You know the food is fresh, you know where it comes from, and it supports the farm itself, which you can imagine is always needed. Kelly, I've had, you know, pork chops, bacon, eggs, I bought a sweatshirt or two, soap. What's your best-selling item like is there something are there things that you guys produce food wise or otherwise that are like best sellers or is it a little bit of everything
1: well you know we have a I would say the eggs people people love our eggs for sure it's the bugs yeah it's definitely all that that (laughs) extra protein (laughs) um the ground beef is a big hit Oh. People people will come in and buy you know twenty pounds at a time, and you know everyone's everyone's got their thing. Our steaks fly off the shelves. Um, the bacon is huge. We have some very loyal bone broth customers. Um, we make we make bone broth from our beef bones, and yeah, I I can't say that there's anyone like the beef roasts don't necessarily fly off the shelf <laughs> oh,
0: really <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know it's it, i think the other thing too is because of the way we do things we don't ever have you know we don't always have tenderloin steaks and so you know sure tenderloin steaks sell quickly but because of the nature of our business where we have an animal and we have to sell that whole animal before we get another whole animal kind of thing.
0: I was online behind someone in the store um, a month or two ago and she was buying like seven or eight like hearts or innards or something. And it was for some medicinal potion or something she was doing. And she like, I don't know, she like wanted like seven or eight of them. It was really wild.
1: Yes. Yeah. So that's exactly what I'm saying is that we have these people who come and just, they, I would never say that like, organ meat is a big thing that flies off the shelves, but it actually does. Like we, we almost never have organ meat because people know that we have it. And so they come from far and wide and buy a lot of it when they see it. So um, yeah, we've done like, it's, it's pretty amazing that our customers do a pretty good job of kind of purchasing the, the whole animal, you know, it's nice. So
0: what happens next? Do you guys have any goals for the farm, either in terms of what you might raise or what you might expand or what you might focus on next? Like, what do you just do this forever or what happens?
1: You know, I think I, I as I kind of touched on earlier, we have, we are trying to figure out how to make this business sustainable, beyond its dependence on our bodies. Mm. And so, you know, we're not exactly sure what that looks like, Um, but we, yeah, we're not, we're not looking to buy new more land or really open a new store in another town. We're not really interested in expanding in that way. Um, We, you know, at one point we were doing six farmers markets a week, and now we're doing two that are really strong. Um, and we've, we've figured out what works for us and what's the most effective use of our time at this point. Um, so yeah, we're, we're not exactly sure what's next. We, like I said, we have, a, we have a four-year-old and a one-year-old. So we're, we're just getting settled in with our family. And this year being COVID, obviously that's thrown a whole wrench in our business operations. Um, so yeah, we'll see how, what happens as we come out of this and how, as our family is growing up, I mean, we really, our goal is to be able to spend as much time with our kids as possible right now.
0: Yeah. And, my, and one of my goals is to spend as much time with your kids and the <laughs> eggs as possible. It's yes. delicious. <laughs> Never stop making them.
1: Rala loves to go collect eggs. So if you ever want to <laughs>
0: I'll take a him, lesson yeah, can,
1: on egg collecting, he, he can show me <laughs> yeah
0: cool well thank you so much callie this is really um, amazing and i will you. see you soon i'll be online behind the oregon lady
1: awesome well we'll see you soon
0: <clears throat> thanks for listening hope you enjoyed meeting callie i love farming learning about it and eating the fruits of it sawkill farm is in red hook new york with a store open thursday through sunday Brian and I are usually there buying eggs, chicken, pork chops, or bacon. If you need something to wear, look no further than City It. Farm Fresh t-shirts, baseball shirts, and sweatshirts are all on the City It Bonfire store. Just go to bonfire.com slash store slash I created them in Kelly Green, but there are other colors as well. Visit bonfire slash store slash Last plug is from my book. I wrote one. Bronze Seek Silver, my story about selling brands, building relationships, and managing careers, is for sale on Amazon and other places com for links. Resumes have stories. Anyway, thanks for giving me your ears. Winter is here in the Hudson Valley. Dark comes early, and we light a fire every day. That reminds me to plug in the heat tape. Recording here in the Hudson Valley in our converted goat shed, I'm Matt Zucker, and this has been City It. Come visit